Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. We're doing a weird podcast in that it is February and there is optimism about the Penn State basketball team. So joining me today, Chad Markowitz. Chad, hi. This is strange. Very. Eric Gibson, hi. What's happening? And Dan Smith, hello. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is a weird podcast, one in that good things are happening and Dan is on it, which is usually like not something that we do, but also that like something we were talking about before the pod is this is usually the podcast where we're trying to like look for any shape, any like little bit of optimism that we can grasp onto at this part of the season, because it feels like you know, maybe they didn't perform up to their expectations. Maybe this team just wasn't that good. All these things. But as we are recording this on uh, Tuesday night, February 13th, Penn State is 18-9, and 18-6 and six in Big Ten play. They look like the kind of team that if they can get one or two marquee wins down the stretch in its final four games, maybe make a little noise, not a ton, but just a little bit in the Big Ten tournament, we could be talking about a team that, when their final Big Ten tournament game ends, their season is not over. And Eric, it, it's been a while since we've had kind of this mindset about the program. Just like when you're looking at where we're at right now, what what's the mindset that you're trying to take, the approach that you're trying to take as we enter the stretch run here with, if Penn State is lucky, maybe a March Madness birth in its future, and if not, maybe an NIT birth? Um, I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, this is just, this is what we've been waiting for um, with, with Pat Chambers and his recruiting and having a team that has legitimately uh, Big Ten talent in their entire starting lineup, and they can play with anybody in the league, and they are playing for an NCAA tournament bid. So um, that's kind of what we were waiting for now. I mean, honestly, going back to your whole premise of like, we had to like look for excuses in previous years for why. Um, I disagree with that completely because this is exactly what I thought would be possible if we were patient um, with the recruiting. Now, obviously, you know, this whole season has not gone as well as it could have. Um, you know, some people still can't get over some of the losses that they've, they've had, which were, which were bad. Um, obviously looking at it now, you know, this team, should have won those games. They're good enough to win these games. But, I mean, honestly, so my whole frustration with the season is I didn't think this team, because of the early blunders, was going to get this kind of opportunity where um, they just it's all on the table for them. I think a lot of people are calling these last four games a brutal stretch and that kind of thing. And you're right, it is. They're playing four tournament-type teams. But I... I don't know about you guys. I'm pretty confident. I, re- I really think, you know, I, and Chambers said that today in his press availability. Like, this is the most confident he's ever been with any of his teams at Penn State before. And I totally can see why he's like that, the way, especially the way they've played over the last three weeks. Um, there's, there's definitely been a pretty obvious maturation process. And, you know, really kind of your whole attitude on this, this final couple weeks is really just dependent on whether or not you're an optimistic person or a pessimistic person, really. I, I really don't I don't know why people are still hung up on some of those other losses. Because frankly, to me, um, 
I don't think his losses are really matter that much. Like if they had, like if they still like. All right, so what, the losses that we got to talk about that are always going to be mentioned forever Ryder with this Wisconsin. team is Ryder, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Um, even if they win, if, if even if they won all three of those games, I still think they need to go like two and two or three and one down this stretch here because they would have had no quality wins. Like I don't, it, you know. There was a there was a really real chance earlier this season that they weren't going to have the schedule that would let them um, get in the tournament. They they were going to be Nebraska like where they are right now, where Nebraska is racking up wins and their best win is um, beating Michigan at home. And I think that oh I guess they they just beat Maryland, so Maryland's like a top fifty rated team. But other than those two wins at home, they got nothing. Everything else is like outside the Ken Palm top seventy five. So it's like. You know, all, all you really wanted for Chambers and these recruits and this whole thing, you know, not to go like eight mile, but, you know, they got one shot, one opportunity. Oh, my God. Oh, so all right, Eric, Eric, <laughs> shut up. You're, you're in timeout. You're in timeout. Stop, Eric. Uh, so I, I do want to explore something that Eric said a little bit more, uh, which is just generally uh, – he, he says he's confident, and Chad, I'm going to go to you with this. He says he's confident down this final stretch of games. So, Chad, are, are you at, do you share his confidence? Are you a little skeptical? Are you also going to quote eight miles so I know I have to cut you off? Like, what are you, what's going through your head right now? I got no quotes. Uh, I don't know how Eric became such an optimist after following Penn State basketball for <laughs> like 20 years. Um, but no, I mean, they do have, they absolutely have the opportunity. Um, I'm not that confident that they're going to play well enough to win on the road against Nebraska and Purdue, especially. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's there the way they've looked the last three, four games. Um, I mean, this is a whole new, this is the team we thought we would see and it's finally come to fruition. Um, everybody's playing well. Everybody's playing together. It seems like there seems like a real chemistry on the floor now. Um, yeah, it, it's just all set up. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be fun in a couple weeks here. Um, but I am not super confident they'll, that they'll be able to get it done the next in the regular season at least. I mean, they'll, we'll talk about um, the Big Ten tournament and the possibilities there. But um, I'm thinking they're going to need to do some uh, – put in some more work in, at, at uh, MSG to get a bid get re- – to really get on the bubble, I think. Do, yeah, to give themselves a chance. Do, do you want to go into why, or do you want to like wait a little bit and talk? Do you want to talk bit? about it now? We can. Uh, yeah, I'm down. I mean, Eric's in timeout still, so yeah, go ahead. Good, right? Okay, so uh, yeah, I mean, the scenarios are basically um, you got to win at least two games in the in the regular season yet against, uh, preferably against the best teams you can. Um, I guess the rank in order of of games would be that you like to win uh, would be Purdue, then Ohio State then Michigan, then Nebraska. Um, if you can get two or three of those, then they're, they're in decent shape with a, a chance to make some noise of the Big Ten tournament. Um, and then hopefully they get the five seeds ideal because then they'll have uh, a game against one of the, the 12 or 13 team, I believe. and Or is that the 11-14 game that they get? I'm not sure. Either way, uh, playing one of the worst teams of the Big Ten in the first round and then moving on to face what looks like will be a four-seed Nebraska um, who I think we have a pretty good shot at on a neutral floor for sure. Um, at their place, is a different story, but um, you know, if we get them on a neutral floor, we can we have the opportunity to advance the semifinals then and play likely Purdue um, on a neutral floor. 
but again, you know, we're getting a little ahead, ahead of it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just like Eric said, it's it's all laid out. The opportunities there, if they had the way they're playing, they look like they're capable of taking it. But uh, we'll see. I'm not super optimistic because it's still Penn State. Yeah, I mean, uh, to what you were saying, it would be like you said, 12 or 13 seed. Uh, then Penn State is the five seed gets them. Then as the four seed would get Nebraska. And right now the one seed would be Ohio State. Should that happen? I mean, the Penn State has proven it can beat this Ohio State team and will hopefully, you know, knock on wood, we'll talk about this momentarily, be able to get that one back, get another one against Ohio State uh, on Thursday. Dan, uh, we'll go to you uh, as a Sixers fan. How are you feeling right now? Uh, about Penn State. As a Sixers fan who is very mad about basketball right now, how are you feeling about Penn State basketball? Why am I mad about the Sixers? Uh, Markel Fultz and everything happening to him and how he is. He, yeah, I, don't know who, I don't know who that is. Oh, Never heard of him. He, was a, he was recruited by Penn State and then didn't come here. Oh, the great well, thing is, again, yeah. Erickson time out. I think, I think maybe, I don't know who he is, but if his, if his shot completely collapsed, maybe the issue is that he didn't choose Penn State. I don't know. You know, there, there we who, go. Who can say? But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, probably somewhere in between uh, where, where Eric and Chad landed on this. Um, you know, I'm not pessimistic about it necessarily because I think they really do have a fighting chance in at least three of these last four games. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say uh, that I, I think it's realistic for them to to take on Purdue just because I don't uh, I, I don't love the matchup even though that is uh, also a debatable um, debatable uh, contention as we've discussed at some points this week amongst ourselves but for the other three I definitely think that they can compete and I think they can take two or three here um, you know, that, that leaves the door open for them, uh, if they can make a, a bit of a run at the big 10 tournament. So, um, you know, I land somewhere in between them and, uh, you know, everybody's sort of waiting for the, you know, when is the, the disappointment of Penn State basketball going to set in, I think. And, uh, I don't necessarily think that if there is a, a disappointment, uh, coming that it's going to be, uh, because this team, uh, fizzles or fades out here at the end of the season. Yeah. And I, I think it's good good to kind of look back on the last three games if you guys would like to do that it's kind of proof that this Penn State team is a little bit different I mean what good basketball teams do is they take care of their home floor when they're going up against a team that you know is kind of on the same level as them which Penn State was able to do against Maryland and then when they play bad teams they blow them out and Penn State blew the doors off of Iowa and Illinois uh uh we'll bring Eric out of timeout Eric what in those three games, worked so well for Penn State. And was there one player, one thing that was kind of constant in those three games that you thought is a recipe for success for Penn State for these final four games that can help get them, you know, the two or three wins that I think we all agree they need at this point? Yeah, no, Tony no. Reale unmutes him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, uh, there's not that, – that's what's so great about this team. There's not one guy. Um, and I don't think there has been one steady guy that you can attribute this uh, consistent run to. Um, obviously, Reeves coming back from um, his academic suspension before the Ohio State game kind of has obviously turned out to be some kind of um, inflection point in their season. But uh, but yeah, they're getting contributions from all everyone from their starting lives. Now, Mike, what Mike Watkins will have a bad game. 
Um, or maybe Lamar might have a bad half and get in foul trouble or that kind of thing. Um, but even all the way down th- one through eight, like Nas Bostic has been um, contributing some points and he's become like a six to eight point a game off the bench guy almost, which is kind of something I never really expected to happen. Um, Jamari kind of went through a little wall there um, at the end of January, but he's come back and had a couple of good games with like 10 plus solid minutes. Um, so yeah, no, they're just playing. Um, well, really, obviously the leader, I guess, technically of the offense is, is Tony because um, the ball is always in his hands. And he's definitely taken um, a much more collected um, and a much more collected approach. And he's, he's definitely more in control. Um, and like I said, I, I know he's never been a selfish player. Um you know, he's, he's been criticized for that earlier this season for some of the games that he had where he did put up an absurd amount of shots. But um, he, he's, he looks like he's ready to do what he usually does, which is just leave it all out on the floor at the end of the season. That's just what he's done in the last three years I've watched him. Um, so, so, yeah, no, everything, like, yeah, no, I don't, they're playing good. This is the best I've ever seen a Penn State basketball team play. Bar none, not like yeah. 2011, 2009, 2001. Um, this team's better than all of them. Now, are they going to go down in the record books as being better than all of them? No, not if they don't get into the NCAA tournament. But I'm taking this team over all four of those teams every day of the week. So, all right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I feel like I feel like I said a whole lot of nothing there. But it, I mean, <laughs> the reality is, this is a basketball team that's balanced. They can beat you many different ways. They defend. They rebound sometimes. I, I, there was some issues with rebounding against Illinois. But um, they can shoot the three. I mean, how, how many freaking years do I have to hear about how terrible Penn State shoots the ball? And they're sitting here with two of the best three-point shooters in the conference in Carr and, and Garner, which is I don't think anyone really expected them to have the shooting years that they've had. We're 69th nationally in three-point shooting nice. percentage. Nice. Yeah, so I don't know. That's that's just what I have to say about it. I think people who are waiting for failure um, can't recognize that this team is nothing like any other Penn State basketball teams. Like I don't, I don't know. The uh, the adjustment they made at halftime, whatever they did to start rebounding, maybe it was partially um, just Illinois being Illinois and being a bad basketball team. But I that was really impressed. I thought by the way that. Uh, they just like flipped the switch at halftime of that game and just dominated yeah, it, it on wasn't, the road. It wasn't even that like, you know, Mike Watkins played like th- five first half minutes and Josh Reeves played like two or three first half minutes. Like just everyone suddenly started rebounding in that. Half. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as easy as, oh, well, Josh and Mike came in. Like, no, the team just started rebounding better. And that's kind of one of those things that seemed different about this Penn State team. It's like when they have an issue, there's like confidence that they can fix that, which is tremendous and so much fun to watch. And it's been a joy, especially over the last couple of games where, again, against Iowa and against Illinois, they just started running them off the court. They've made this decision to become like the best dunking team in basketball history, which is which has been a very fun development. Like this is just a fun basketball team. And I, I think one thing we're seeing is that this starting five, I mean, one thing we heard at the beginning of the year 
is they feel like this is a starting five that can go toe-to-toe with just about anyone, and we're starting to see that in addition to, like Eric said, the good minutes off the bench from uh, whether it's uh, Jamari Wheeler, who is the most annoying basketball player to ever live, or uh, Nazir Bostic, who's been giving them good minutes. Julian Moore's been giving them pretty solid minutes. It's just been nice and fun to see that, and that's the kind of thing that can kind of guide them into this next stretch here. Uh, Chad, is there anything that you'd like to add, or Dan, anything that you'd like to add that you've noticed over these um, last couple of games? Yeah, they've really just found like that extra gear. Like that sounds kind of abstract and maybe a little obvious, but like based on their experience level. But um, yeah, they just like the way they played against Iowa and and Rutgers and and especially Illinois at second half. Like they just they blew past their opponent like without any resistance or any you know they just they have that extra gear. They didn't have that last year. They haven't had that for a long time. Uh, Probably not even. I don't do the 2009, 2011 teams even have that. I don't think they did because like this team is just so talented. They can, they can, they can do things that no other Penn state team could do. Like those dunks are a result of just like talent and moving. Yeah, I was about to say, well. when are we going to start talking about the dunks? I mean, yeah, it's every, yeah. every game. I mean, I wish obviously dunk statistics haven't been tracked. Heck, I don't even know if they're being officially tracked now. Um, because obviously I would love to see those numbers because this team absolutely blows any Penn State basketball team out of the water as far as how many times they dunk the ball. It's crazy. Um, like the last two or three home games, I, I don't think they really had crazy dunks against Maryland. Other, th- I, th- I know Reese had one coming down the lane, but um, I, those, that Iowa and that Rutgers game and how pretty much the last 10 minutes of that game were just demoralizing dunk fests. How many times I have sat through 15 years of watching that happen to Penn State, where they are losing by 20 points on the road and just getting yammed on, and it is terrible. And I've never seen Penn State ever be able to return the favor, and they have the last like three weeks. It's been pretty great. Josh, what's crazy is how, how many times do they? How many times do you see them like? run a fast break and get a dunk. They're almost all in the half court too. It's insane. Except mm-hmm. for that stretch against, uh, I, I want to say against Iowa where Lamar threw down. Yeah, it was Iowa, yeah. Yeah, where he just threw. Lamar he was had like, two yeah, back I'll throw to, down yeah. the 360 and then I'll, you know, cause another steal and then dunk again. Like, it's been yeah. just, D- Josh Reeves is getting joy out of, like, catching bodies every game. It's fantastic. And it, like that's one of those fun developments that like makes sense. Like it makes sense that Josh Reeves and Lamar Stevens can dunk all over dudes, but it's also like, Oh, Hey, this is a cool thing that I never considered this team could do. And like, it would be fun. And I get a lot of joy out of it. Uh, Dan, is there anything else from the last couple of games that you want to add before we start looking at what Penn state has on the horizon? No, I think they covered most of it, and I would just like to uh, add that uh, dunks are good, and I'm a fan. That's, folks, is the kind of analysis you can only get on our podcast. So thank you for uh, listening as we add that stuff. Uh, Yeah, so let's look at the final couple of games here. we, We can probably hedge a little bit and not talk too terribly much about Michigan and Nebraska, because if Penn State wins either Ohio State or Purdue, we're doing another podcast in the next couple of days. But let's just look for now, again, Ohio State and Purdue. 
Chad, give us kind of a primer to both of these games against an Ohio State team that Penn State beat there, and now it's to come to the Bryce Jordan Center, and Penn State going uh, to play Purdue in West Lafayette in a, a game that they probably should not win, but who knows at this point. Uh, this is a big, this is probably Ohio State's biggest game left. Um, they've beaten Purdue and Michigan State this year. They don't. They play, they play at Michigan right after us. Right, at Michigan, obviously, the rivalry, but um, this is a revenge game, too. Um, you know, we're still the only team to beat them this year, and uh, this they're, they're still in the driver's seat for the Big Ten, turn, or the Big Ten Championship, too. So this is not like that they're going to be motivated. Um, KBD's playing really well yet. Um, you know, I, I think Penn State matches up well. They're not going to shoot as well as they did at Ohio State. Um, so they have to defend it up a little bit more uh, than they did in that game. But um, I think, you know, the way they're playing right now, they're certainly capable of doing that. And um, hopefully it's in front of a, a big crowd that, uh, you know, they finally deserve with uh, students back on campus and everything. And um, I, I mean, obviously they've been back for a while, but, you know, they, they haven't had, there was weather issues against Maryland and, Iowa was the Thon Hoops game. That was great. Um, but, you know, they, there's no excuses for the fans to, to not come out this game. So hopefully it's in front of a great environment. Hopefully um, they they provide their support because um, Ohio State's going to be hungry. They're going to want that game. Um, Purdue, I, I don't like the matchup. I never have just because, I mean, it's so, they're so hard to defend. I, I don't know. Maybe Michigan State figures something out when they when they beat the end of the week, but they don't defend. They don't double up on Haas or or Matt Harms down low, but um, they're just, they come at you, man. Carson Edwards is a, is a different player than they've had before. Um, he's he's a creator on the perimeter. Usually they have just two kind of like defensive-minded guards who can knock down open threes, but uh, Edwards is a creator, and, and I think he's he should be in the discussion for Big Ten Player of the Year if it wasn't for KBD having such a great year. So um, I'm not expecting much at Mackey. It's such a tough environment to play in, um, but you know, the way they're playing right now, I don't want to rule it, rule it out completely. So um, I, I'd say if, you know, get the win at Ohio State and you kind of have some, or win against Ohio State, you have a little um, money in the bank already instead of being so desperate to win at Purdue then. It, Eric, looking at these two games, uh, what we know about Penn State's last game against Ohio State and just what Purdue is and how good this basketball team is. And I know you're a little bit more optimistic about how Penn State matches up with Purdue. What does Penn State have to do in both of these games uh, to get wins, even though it's going to be really, really hard for them to do that? You you guys ready for this? Are are you about to say 2-0? No, I'll say oh, it's another eight mile quote. Oh, sweet. No, no. Yeah, if it was another eight mile quote, I was just ending this pot. I was going to do the buy shirts and buy thing. They need to defend and rebound, as Pat Chambers Whoa. would say. So, can, can you um, walk yeah, us? I disagree. Can, I think they should have shoot both of those things. Can, can you explain, <laughs> just for the novices, what does it mean to play defense and rebound? Well, it depends on whether you <laughs> are. Explain a, it to the folks at home. <laughs> it depends on whether. Well, I mean, it, it depends on your physical <laughs> gifts. Either you're a leaper or you're a uh, slide your feet and stay in front of the guy type of defender. Wow, you're really doing <laughs> it. What? You really, you really explained it. Huh? Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so obviously the key is you always got to stay in your stance, right? Because if you get out of your stance, 
then you get lazy, you reach, you foul. Am I allowed to make contact with them? <laughs> Depends on what kind of contact it is. What I, I want a hand check. What are the rules on hand checking? Yeah, all right, this is dumb. Okay. Um, so what were we talking about? We were talking about Ohio State. I you know, don't actually, know. you know what I wanted to talk about? I, I wanted to mention, you, you know, we're talking about how uh, there should be a great crowd, you know, and that was also another thing that has always just been an, an inherent fear for this program is that every once in a while, they'll conjure up just enough momentum to finally get their fans' attention. And I'm not, <laughs> I was going to use the eight mile quote, but I'm not using right. it. I'm just saying they get, they get their one shot and then how many songs do you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, I think I can count them on two hands, but, um, but yeah, so they, they, they get this one chance to prove to <laughs> their fans because their fans will only give them one chance to actually let them buy in. You know what I'm trying to say? Cause no, no, totally, totally. Basically, they always, especially under DeCellis, they would always have a big crowd for once, and they would always lay an egg. It's like they didn't know what to do. There was actually fans in the building. There's actually an environment. And it was kind of like, it was almost like psychological where they, they, they just, I don't know if it was the pressure of, oh, my God, we got to, like, really perform for these people because they finally came out or, or what. That's not going to happen to this team. I don't think this team... My, my favorite example of that was the, the game in 2011 where everybody showed up when they played Wisconsin, and they won, but it was such ugly basketball that everybody was kind of like, oh, <laughs> do I really yeah. want to get involved in this? <laughs> exactly. Well, well, like, well, the, the perfect example of this is uh, it, it's Taylor Battle Senior Night uh, against Ohio Don't State. do that. Don't, no, no, we we talked about the CBI in the last po- last pod, Chad. We're, we're we're this is therapy for us too. I'm writing about it. I don't give it all away, but yeah, that was hell. It was hell on earth. That was the worst game I ever attended. Honestly, I didn't think I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it was obviously the beginning was that bad because we got spanked. But once you kind of like could accept that we were getting spanked, you learned. You to- really are an optimist, man. Holy shit. Well, okay. Well, what I'm saying is, I, 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 one of the things I remember about that game was just being completely blown away by Don, John Diebler. That was like one of the greatest shooting games I've ever seen anyone have. Still and, a Big Ten record, I believe. Yeah. And since it was clear that Penn State was hopeless, because again, that was a team that was like it was either Taylor Battle or nothing. And and this is like around the time where Jeff Brooks had his like wasn't he fighting his shoulder issue? Because didn't that linger for like the last like month of the season? Or something. Yeah, was, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, he still. Or did he? Or did he? Because I can't remember. I don't. Because I remember he got hurt, and then he had the brace, and then he re-hurt himself in the tournament game. I can't remember when the actual original. I, I want to say at, it was at, at Minnesota was an issue. No, I think it was it was at Illinois. Now that I'm thinking about right. it, right? Yeah, and they lost. Yeah, that game. so that was February first. So yeah, he was playing on a bum shoulder the rest of the season, um, and then it was Taylor Battle, and then who else did they? Have? I mean, you know, David Jackson and Andrew Jones were great role players, but they didn't really have any scores other than. Battle and Brooks. So, you know, this team this year, obviously, five double digit scores or whatever. Are we still at five double digit scores? I think we are. I don't know what their per game stats are, but, um, but yeah, but so yeah, so going back to the senior night of battle or whatever, I mean, yeah, it was, it definitely sucked. I was like, you know, that was my technically my senior night as a student or whatever. That was my last home game in the student section. Um, and obviously, you wanted to see the greatest player in the program's history at the time you know, go out with a bang. But again, that game was over 
pretty quickly. So um, I, I appreciate you saying at the time as well, not besmirching the good name of Jordan Dickerson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We still have five, we have uh, all five scorers, all five starters, and double figures yet. Chef's at ten point two points per game. And the bench is uh, collectively uh, <laughs> not at double digits. Right. Uh, uh, by the way, somehow we are deeper than the 2011 team. It's crazy. That's not a surprise. No, not really. But they're only. Well, I mean, yeah. Once Bowie was out of the rotation, then it was they were. I mean, their only bench guy really was Jermaine Marshall at that point, right? Yep. And then I, I guess freshman uh, Jermaine Billy. Marshall, freshman Jermaine Marshall. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. he had a good he had a good game versus Purdue, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So did, I, you, did you know that John Diebler had a 140.6 offensive rating and a 70.6 effective field goal percentage? I remember he was he was insane that year. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, I, and, and as someone who's a shooter on the basketball court, like I, I just I have a great appreciation for that. So uh, okay, okay. Call me call me a uh, optimist, but <laughs> oh, we are. I'm just going to shout out the guy from Upper Sandusky, Ohio, John Diebler. What up? <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Uh, <laughs> what happened to this podcast? <laughs> well, I mean, I, was go going, I, I feel like go saying away. what happened to this podcast. The rails. This used to be my role was to make it work. Now we got Eric bragging about his jump shot as if it's some sort of analysis. Yeah, I was yeah, going actually, why are we talking about 2011? Purdue. Let's, let's talk about Purdue. Purdue. Oh, all right, yeah, so here's what we'll true. do. We'll talk about, about we'll talk about Purdue for a bit, and then okay, Eric will let you talk about Purdue. Can I make my point since we went on that tangent? We went on Go that tangent, it. yes. So the whole reason why I brought that whole tangent up is because this team, Roman Catholic, they're used to playing in front of big crowds. They thrive on big crowds. And with how many um, crazy plays that this team can make with dunks, blocks, that kind of thing, I win or lose, it's going to be the best game in the Bryce Jordan Center, for, in my opinion, just because it's the, the team is going to be that exciting and it's not going to be wait until Taylor Battles shoots a 40-foot shot, which is super exciting, but you know what I'm saying. This team just plays a much more fun style of, of basketball. No, this is, this is a team show that up. is... Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. if, if people show up, but also, yeah, this is a team that... It is basically designed to get a crowd into a basketball game. And if Mm -hmm. it can do that and it's able to get to the point where the crowd is, and I can't believe I'm going to say this about the Bryce Jordan Center, the crowd at the Bryce Jordan Center is raucous and engaged and into the game. Like Eric said, that's a thing that could maybe carry the team a little bit in that one. Uh, But let's kind of flip over to Purdue for a sec. Let's talk about... That game against, uh, I believe, Ken Palm has them as the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, they are, that, despite the fact that they have hit a bit of a rough patch, well, not hit a bit of a rough patch, they've had to play Ohio State and Michigan State, and they've lost by four point total points. They're one of the teams that gets thrown around as one of the best teams in the country. Uh, Chad, do you have anything other than they have to defend and rebound as for how they can walk into Chad- Chad already gave his thoughts on Purdue. Oh, okay, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, Eric. So yeah, go crazy. That's me. So <laughs> sorry, you guys man. wanted me to talk about this because I think that they um, they match up pretty well. Which uh, and, and the reason, the only way they match up well now, let's let's not go overboard here. Obviously, Purdue is very much the better team. Um, I just think individually, 
I'm kind of surprised at how well Penn State matches up on paper. Now, obviously, the big thing is Mike Watkins against, you know, the 7-2 Mammoth and Haas, who just physically is imposing. And obviously, how that how that battle is officiated is going to have a great determination on how Penn State does. Because obviously, Mike Watkins has to sit for a long time. Forget about it. Honestly, if any of the starters have to sit for a long time in Mackey, Forget about it. It ain't happening. But if the five starters can stay on the court and play like 35 minutes, um, I don't know. They could do it. Just because if, if you really like look matchups-wise, um, I'm not sure You know, this isn't going to be one-on-one because you know they might defend each other differently. But you know, if you look in the backcourt, you got two amazing scores in, in Carr and Carson Edwards. Um, you look on the wing, Lamar Stevens has – one of the best mid-range games in the Big Ten, but obviously Vince Edwards is, you know, a senior, an all-Big Ten player. He's going to be first-team all-Big Ten. He's a stud. But, again, we got Lamar Stevens. It's not like Lamar Stevens is a um, walkover or whatever. And then and then you got Reeves and Matthias, who are both 3-and-D guys. They're different types of 3-and-D guys. Um, Matthias is a much better shooter. He can sh- step back, shoot off the dribble, shoot from anywhere. Um, but Reeves is a much more athletic defender who can make some pretty crazy plays and, and, and does Josh Reeves, Josh Reeves things where he, um, will crash the glass, cut, back cut, you know, all the crazy stuff that he does. So just the five on five, I think matches up really good. Now, obviously I I would imagine Purdue's bench is better than Penn State's bench. And that's why I say if Penn State has to go to their bench in this game, they're, they're not going to survive. But if they can get fantastic efforts out of their starting lineup and they can stay on the court for as long as possible and be effective, I'm not saying they can't win. I I was going to say, it sounds like you're taking the approach of if everyone not has their best game but has close to their best game, Penn State can win this one. Yes. Yeah. I don't don't want to say best game. The reason why I'm saying best game, I, I think the more important thing is to stay out of foul trouble. Um. And, you know, and, and people got to fill their roles well. So, like, Shep can't shoot 0 for 8. You know what I'm saying? Not, not that sure. I'm saying Shep Gardner has to shoot 8 threes or make 8 threes. But, you know, if he goes, like, 3 for 6 or 4 for 6, that would be clutch. He's got to hit the open shots, basically. Like, you know, when you're, when you're playing a team as good as Purdue in an intimidating environment like that and you get good looks, you got to hit them. So they just got to do, you know – they're going to go in there confident. They're not going to be intimidated, um, but it's go- it's definitely going to be a tall task because a lot of things can quickly deflate their uh, ship. There, you know. Yeah, and I and I think you touched on something that sort of has me taking the opposite approach, which is that I do think that uh, you know, as a road team at Purdue, that it's going to be very tough for them to you know keep the team out of foul trouble. I think they kind of got their one with the road game against Ohio State, which, as you may recall, they actually kind of got the benefit of the doubt on a number of uh, on a number of calls in that game. And I think uh, I think they sort of got their one, you know, for that when they're playing a top tier team on the road. I I just am very skeptical of the idea that they can have that happen again yeah. against Purdue. I think Purdue He's going to go into that game, you know, very aware of the fact that if they get this team in foul trouble, there's not really any hope for them. And I and I know every team knows that, but I think uh, I think they have people that can, uh, you know, that can you know take advantage of that. And, and that's especially true, you know, with Mike. 
because even though, again, Julian Morris played a little better lately, I, I no, no offense to him. I mean, he's a guy who's done a lot for, you know, given some good minutes to this program over his career, but he's still not a guy that going up against Isaac Haas, I necessarily have a whole bunch of faith in. And Haas is 15th in the country in fouls drawn. Like, he draws 7.2 fouls per 40 minutes, uh, according to Ken Palm. I have a gut feeling they're going to go at Mike and try and get him into some foul trouble. Uh, what would be far more fun is if Satchel Pierce played because he's getting called for 8.1 fouls per 40 minutes, which uh, I don't think... Yo, honestly, can. I could see Satchel being the backup at that game. Just add a little bit of toss. beef. Add a little beef, push him around a little bit. That kind yeah, of just because like I, that's the only... Because when I think of tough defense, I think of Satchel Pierce. Now, you know what I'm saying, though. Come on now. <laughs> no, I, mean, I know yeah. what you mean, but but I, I think... He, it's not going to be effective, played, yeah. The way that he plays defense just completely erases any advantage that his size gives, you know, so, no, so it's not even really something that I would, and I know, yeah, I know you're not, that's not what you're saying, but it's like, you know, I, it, he, we've tried this before and it's, it's not going to work against Isaac Haas. So. All, all we need out of Satchel is five minutes and for Purdue not to go on five a 15, not to go on a 15 0 run in those five minutes. That's, that's all we need. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't complain about that. I, you're, yeah, I mean, when the bar is don't go on a 15 over run in five minutes, like I'm, I'm hoping that can be cleared. But yeah, the good thing is I can't think of any examples recently of Penn State putting their bench in against a top five team on the road and having the the uh, 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 you know the other team go on a huge run during that time. So that's good at least. Hey, they put Davidson Davidson Gula started the Ohio State game. <laughs> the one I can- uh, I'm so, just saying. So what? Uh, so what Eric is saying? Stretch in the Michigan State game was when everybody was like, "Oh, okay, we're not going to win this." Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, we did uh, take Purdue to overtime last year at the BJC. Um, so I, I'm looking at the stats from that game. Julian Moore played really well. He played uh, 18 minutes, uh, had four points, two blocks, six boards. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if. The depth is there. This I don't know, you know, how off. I mean, Isaac Haas played 25 minutes in that game out of 45. Um, you know, they can do it. It's there. They've they've battled with them before. But I, I mean, the difference in this game, I think, is uh, is Carson Edwards, just like how dynamic he is in the perimeter. Because usually the Purdue teams just have like a big man and and then they pass out double teams and find open shooters. And that's at their whole offense, really. Um, but, I, you know, I. Do we have somebody who can defend a quick guy like Carson Edwards? I guess Josh Rizzo, but then that leaves open shooters with Matthias and PJ Thompson and Vincent Edwards. And so um, the I matchups, yeah, and, and and also still match up, man. I, I don't know. I think yeah. still match up. And, and also, there's reason Edwards, for hope. But, Edwards was yeah. very bad against Penn State last year. Uh, although oh, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, he's, I'm just he's saying. Like, no, oh no, now. I'm yeah. saying like he had a bad game game last year he's going to have a better game mm-hmm. this year that's what also because he doesn't have to worry about the warm breath of spike albrecht uh breathing down the back of his neck trying to fight for minutes uh i, I forgot spike <laughs> albrecht existed momentarily uh yep. yeah uh so i'm I, it's weird feeling like penn state can go in to a home game against ohio state and a road game against purdue and like there's legit optimism about it, and I, I, I'm going. I'm enjoying this. I'm going to enjoy the next couple of uh, next couple of games. Hopefully, the next time that we do a hoops pod, we're going to be doing it all just like just 
gone on cheap beer because Penn State's gone two and zero its last couple of games. But if we're going to look even farther into the future, uh, is this the, the point? The where Basket Bro podcast live from Madison Square Garden. I, I mean, it sounds like I'm going to the Friday game. So if we want to do that, I would not be opposed. There you go. We just got to get all of our, uh, our, our, our extremely high-tech equipment into <laughs> MSG. One laptop. <laughs> well, my laptop, but neither here nor there. Uh, do we want to answer mail the two good mailbag, three good mailbag questions we had? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So if you if you were listening to this because you sent a mailbag question, and <laughs> we do not answer it it's because we think it's dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, someone asked us about taking a snap under center or getting a fullback, so we'll save that for another show. So we well, no, I mean, smart ass. We'll, a we'll, lot of you. We will tell you no. Uh, Penn State is never getting going to take a snap under center. Or get a well. Again. I'm just saying none, none of the I've not yet been on a football podcast for Roar Lions Roar. I think the people are dying to hear my thoughts on football. I so. I thought we've had you on a football. Neither here nor there. Uh, we'll discuss nah. that after. Be, be, Nick went to the big blogging graveyard in the sky. So we oh, that's right. There. There's an open. Spot. There's an opening. Oh, yeah, man. there's going to be an application yeah. process. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have a tryout. It's gonna be it's gonna be the pickup game at our our Palooza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Well, I mean that's good because I know Eric isn't going to co-host then. Uh, oh no, no! Have you heard about Eric's jump shot? <laughs> uh, Were you even listening to the beginning of the podcast, Bill? His jump shot is amazing. <laughs> well, speaking of people uh, with amazing jump shots, let's talk about uh, from our friend Brian Pruitt, who wants to know if we saw the latest tape from uh, 2018 uh, signee, I believe, Daniel Kasatkin. Nope. Signee just commit yet. at this point? Okay. Commit yet. Commit. Uh, Daniil Kasatkin, a six foot six, six foot seven, whatever point guard uh, who uh, I, I will let Chad take the lead on this discussion because he is beyond all in on this kid. So Chad, the floor is yours. Uh, have fun. Sell us on uh, his foot speed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I love this kid. I think he's going to be um, he'll be a rotation player next year for sure. I think. <laughs> I love this kid. He's going to be a rotation player. expectations. We have, you know, depending on who comes back, you know, we we got to temper some expectations here. But um, I love his jump shot. I love his vision. I love his passing ability. Um, I defense and foot speed. He had questions, but um, he is my translucent son, and I love him very much. And I think he's going to be a good player for Penn State, despite the fact that he's no other high major offers that we know of and no recruiting rankings. <laughs> uh, you're, you did a great job selling him by adding the little tidbit at the end about a recruiting ranking and no high major offers. So thank you. Uh, We're right. It's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, Jamari Wheeler wasn't a highly recruited prospect and we all love him very much. So who knows what happens? Uh, Eric, great, but... he, he was like, wasn't he like 300 somewhere in the three? Yeah. Yeah. He, he got, he got evaluated. Yeah. Daniil, Still under the radar somehow, but that's a, we'll take him. Uh, Eric, do you have any thoughts on why he is under the radar? Uh, you know, actually, that's a good question. I, I still don't really know why he's under the radar, and I, and I kind of don't un- understand why he doesn't even have some kind of evaluation from the recruiting industry because he's playing with some other high major kids at a, a prep school in Virginia called Mount Mission. Mount, Mountain Mission? I don't know. Mission, yeah. Um, 
not that it's like the premier prep school or anything like that, but the tapes that we are evaluating here, granted they're only like two minute clips, but I know the one was against Oak Hill. Um, and I forget who the other one was, but it was another prep school. So they're playing good competition. He's been like, you know, so if he's playing in a, in a, on the prep circuit, if you want, if that's what you want to call it, I don't even know if that's what it's called, but you know what I'm saying? How are you like, there's other kids on the floor that are getting recruited. There's coaches coming to your games how are you not like the whole not no offers is just kind of a mystery to me um but i agree i mean i will give chat this the kid can play he, he can definitely he definitely has a high iq he's skilled i like i i agree with chat i love his jump shot um you know just my big question marks is i just i really have some reservations on whether he's he's a big 10 athlete or not and um you know, if he can prove that wrong, if he can show that he uh, has the speed and the athleticism to to hang in the Big Ten, yeah, he could be a, he could be a great find. Um, but until I see him against Division One competition, I am taking a more cautious approach. I, I mean, even if he just and we talked about this a little bit before we came on, even if he just like floats on the perimeter and he gets open shots and hits them, like I'm perfectly content with that. Chad, what was the uh, what was the thing that was written about him? Like he's the best Russian point guard prospect of his generation or something. That was written like three years ago. It's, yeah. That was like a tweet from three years ago. I'm not oh, I, I, okay. I, I, I remembered it being something kind of weird, but like, yeah. I don't know Russian basketball. However, uh, <laughs> I think he's, he's a promising player. He's got the vision. The IQ is there. Like he, he's, you can tell he's just a kid that loves basketball. Um, you can't say that about every division one prospect. So, um, I, I just think he's going to contribute and I don't, again, I'm still dumbfounded as to how he went. So under the radar, maybe just cause, uh, he, he got to the U S like a year or two ago, but even still, I mean, I guess he's not playing a U circuit at all, maybe, but, um, I don't know. Anyways, I'm happy. We yeah. Got I him. mean, he, he, as you guys said, he, um, you know, he's, he's a guy who, you know, when you watch him, yeah, his and I, I agree with Eric. His athleticism is the thing that really you know uh, that that doesn't jump out in his game. Um, you know, he looks like he's got the you know sort of speed of of you know every other high schooler that's on the court. You know, some of the guys he's playing are good competition, but you know, plenty of them are guys who you know don't have futures. Uh, but he does have that um, you know that that definite. You know, clearly, he he's a guy who you know has a good feel for the game. You know, which is a you know, which we've we've seen some guys where we you know have had some question marks in the recruits that they've had in terms of what their feel of the game is, and he's not one. But um, you know, as to why he's not you know on the you know on the radar of everything, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. You know, and and I have a, I have a bit I have a bit of a the, I have a bit of a theory on it, and I you know I, I it's a it's a theory about his game. So guys, it's not Let's just go. A game theory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, Eric Garland! If by <laughs> I am going to make so listen- many jokes about him being Russian. It's going. <laughs> oh, to be it's, great. So great. No, it's, <laughs> it's so great! It's so great! It's so great! It's like really just you really just anything you know, Eastern Europe, Russia, any reference that I can come up with. It's going <laughs> oh, yeah. to be a lot of it. It's gonna, like yeah. it, we'll say he hacked the UPUA elections or something like that. Um, You're not going to believe this. This guy killed 16 Czechoslovakians. <laughs> he was an interior decorator. <laughs> Oh God! Sopranos for you, Dan. I'm excited. Yo, I'm excited for him to get into the BJC though, because as soon as he steps on the court, I will no longer be the most palest person in the Bryce Jordan Center. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Do uh, job. Do we? I, I, I mean, I have the courtesy to make all my jokes about that off the air. <laughs> well, er- Eric is making them about himself, so it's okay. We're not making fun of Eric for them. Uh, I, thought, I thought Eric was going to say, uh, that, and as soon as he steps in the Bryce Jordan Center court, the pressure will be off Eric because he won't be the best jump shooter in the. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, but one more thing about like his foot speed and stuff. I just had a thought about, um, you know, not to knock Tony Carr running, but like he's not the most athletic or oh, come on, uh, fleet of foot guy. What? Come on, he's not. And he makes it work because he's crafty. He knows how to play the game. I'm just saying, there's potential in the for Daniel no, to figure it out. It is That's, true that, but yeah. but there's there's a difference. There's here. a big Tony difference. Tony Carr had had that as a clear negative in his game and he was still like a top 50 player you know that's there's um you know it's it's remarkable how good tony carter is despite that because he's his he is, he is maybe the worst leaping ability of any you know uh prominent basketball player at that position that i've ever seen especially since yeah. he's so tall yeah but right he, even yeah. yeah he's terrible at finishing around the rim purely because he can't get elevated enough to use his height which we've talked about before here yeah, and I, I mean, outside of, uh, I mean, there were the reports that he added like 25 pounds of muscle in the offseason, but I think those might have been a little bit uh, too optimistic. Like, he's still not, you know, the biggest dude on earth, but. Plus, yeah. you know, if he could if he could jump and dunk like that, uh, he wouldn't be playing for Penn State. So, yeah, right. take the good with the bad. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, I mean, he's still a top 15 player. Right. Oh, yeah. If he could jump at all, he would be playing for Duke or Kentucky. I yeah, think that's probably. yeah. So that's fair. Yeah. Uh, next question. Next question. Uh, let me pull this up here. Hold on, Sean White's snowboarding. Uh, uh, Who is most likely to be an All Big Ten player in the future, other than Tony? This year or in the future? Future. In, in the future too. So now uh, or in the future? I mean, right. I mean, right now. Yeah, I was going to say because they, they got some All Big Ten players right now. So I would. Um, I would Tony's probably going to get. He'll be on like the first or he's, second line. Yeah, he's either first or second. Um, um, Lamar, third team, maybe. You, you know, oh, honestly, he's been playing. We, we can, you know, this. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't. Did Josh hurt his candidacy by missing that as much time as he did? Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, we're yeah. all three of them have can like uh, they all have claims with Watkins too, because I'm pretty sure Watkins is still averaging a double double in Big Ten games, which yeah. is actually I don't know. I, I should double check that because I, he's I mean, had a couple. I was saying, Watkins' Ken Palm stats are insane. Uh, I'm looking. He is third. He's, in he's top 15 in the country in four different categories. Or f- yeah, four different categories. Yeah, and yep. block percentage, he's top 40 in the country. Like, he's ridiculous. We, it is very cool that Mike Watkins decided to come play basketball at Penn State. So on the off chance you were listening to this, Mike Watkins, thank you uh, for supporting the podcast by coming and play basketball at Penn State. But yeah, he. Uh, yeah, I mean the fact yeah, that jo- yeah. Josh's numbers aren't like that eye popping. Like, does the, he averages ten point eight points, four point six? He's four, definitely not a test guy. No, no he's, he's not going to be an all yeah. an all straight all Big Ten team. But I think if you know, he's probably in the conversation for defensive player of the year, if not first team all defense. If that's he's, a thing, I keep forgetting if that is. He's also the kind of guy who like coaches and media members. You always hear them talk about as like the oh he doesn't put up the numbers, but he does all the like he's. What, he, he's basically the darling of people who watch Penn State play basketball. With yeah, the, three assists on a yeah. team that on a, on a team that has a guy who averages four point nine. It's a litmus it's, it's test a among co- color commentators of whether they've actually watched right, Penn State exactly. or not. They bring exactly. up Josh Reeves. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah, and it, it, which doesn't take much. All you need to see him is once. But uh, yeah. there were some people in the out of conference who you know, would not even notice that uh, that Reeves wasn't playing. Yeah. So yeah, to answer the question, Tony is going to be first or second team for sure. Um, and then I would say probably either Mike or Lamar will be second or third team, maybe both. I don't know. Um, I could see all four of them at least getting like honorable mention. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would yeah. Say so yeah. Yeah. If Tony gets honorable mention, I will be mad. Like he deserves, he will. But yeah, no, he'll be he'll be first. first but yeah, team. there is an all defensive team, and Reeves was snubbed from it last year, so he should definitely be on the team. And I agree with Chad. Mm-hmm. He has a. I think he's got a claim to defensive player of the year. Now Purdue fans are like stands for Dakota Mathias, but um, who was it? Was KBD that? rain that shot in his face wasn't it or who who somebody drained the shot in his face the other day maybe oh it was bridges it was yeah, yeah yeah um so who from purdue won it last like like two years ago i mean man i want it back to back he was like a guard chris kramer no but past that like more recent than that than chris kramer i think it was um you were 32 let me look it up Kempom, go ahead keep talking about other, other stuff yeah Everybody. i don't know no, okay. no, um, I'm, I'm holding uh, up with it. Uh, Eric Peck. No, no. All right. Well, he well he wore 32. Jeff. Um. God damn. Oh, Rafael Davis. Oh, he was 35. Won it, didn't he? Okay. I'm pretty yeah, sure he, he, he won was. It. He was a good defender. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He won it, so they can't talk if if that dude won it with a steal rate of 0.8. The hell out of here. I, I but, just, yeah, no, honestly, I'd have to see Lamar's numbers. But, yeah, he definitely has a case, too. Um, he hasn't really had too many what I would call clunkers or just eggs, if you will, um, like he had a habit of doing earlier this season and all of his freshman year where he would come out and score 30 points and then the next game he would be in foul trouble and maybe contribute two points. Um, but this year, yeah, he's been a steady double-digit scorer, and he's had a couple of uh, weeks where I thought he could have been Big Ten Player of the Week. Um, that's actually, that's a better question. When are we going to get a big 10 player of the week? Never. Yeah. I'm surprised that we haven't got one. This year. At the same, time. Time, same time though, there's been some, you know, KBD's gone on some crazy runs and Jordan Murphy like started the season, like putting up absurd numbers. But, um, but yeah, no, all four of them, they're all pros. They're all, all they all have all conference potential. And if they all return, or whoever returns next year, definitely has even a better chance at landing on one of those teams. So oh, there you hey, go. Hey, look at this, Eric. We led very well into our final question uh, of the evening, which is: once I find it in here, and yeah, there it is. Uh, who do you believe will be back for next season? Um, <laughs> I, I feel very, very confident uh, in saying that Jamari Wheeler will be back for next season. Uh, and John Harrar. Uh, have we ever, have we Harrar. 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 Are you going to learn to Harrar. say this, dude? Harrar. No, 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 I mean, this is going to be, I, I'm going to be, this is my Felix Beatman. When Johnny comes marching right. home again, hurrah, yeah. hurrah. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no Dan, keep All going, right. keep going. So the big four, um, I have no idea. It's it could, I, be, it could be none of them. <laughs> it could be none of them. Could be all of them. We no, mostly, it's not gonna I, be none did, of them. I did allude. No, I alluded to this earlier in the podcast. I said well, I don't think that the disappointment that has become the trademark of Penn State basketball is going to happen in the in the final stretch of the season here. I think they're going to actually do pretty well to finish the season. I think the disappointment will come when everybody goes. 
And we just saw with that, what is it, Jay Billish just posted his top 68 or whatever, and it says number 58 Penn State. Yeah. Oh, you know, they're really building something. Just you know, Next year is really going to be the year for them. Yeah, and then see who comes back next year, and right. then, then, then get back to me on that one, Jay. That's, I, 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 this offseason terrifies me. So, uh, well, I, I look forward yeah. to it just because all four of them are going to put their names and go through the draft process, and I can't wait for the collective like freak out about that. Um, and oh, it's I gonna, will be freaking out about that. So. Yeah, and it's gonna have it's gonna be like a month or two months. Well warranted just, freak out. We're just gonna be like, all right, well, uh, who's coming back? Um, who I for sure? This is I'm, terrible for Penn State basketball, but this is tremendous content. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but honestly, I, I expect Reeves back. Um, I expect Stevens back. I think Carr and Watkins are the question marks. Um, and honestly, I, I, they've been kind of open. I mean, I don't know how much you guys have read recruiting content like back over the summer and stuff. They were like recruiting guards with the assumption that Tony would not be there next year, kind of. Like, I remember like Bolton had some quotes where he's like, if Tony's not there next year, then I'm going to have a great opportunity. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so they know that Tony was, was looking to, uh, you know, they always say that we want guys to get degrees. I think Tony was someone who was definitely more focused on going the NBA route. But honestly, I don't think any, I don't they're all legitimate prospects, but I don't think um, they're definitely not first rounders obviously, and they could maybe sneak in the second round and that's why I'm just like I, I don't I don't know how I think there's definitely a slimmer of hope that two, they could all two come of back. them have been two of them have been mocked in the first round at least once. We're not going to talk about NBA NBADraft.net. Josh is getting a lot of love recently. By, yeah, who's, this, uh, who's this guy that, that you keep sending it along, Bill, who keeps mocking <laughs> Josh early? That's one of my you say, a, my buddy who writes for Fansided. Who, uh, he, he's, he, again, he, he is an example of this. Sam Vecini at The Athletic is an example of this. When people watch Josh play basketball they fall in love with him and what he brings to the table and how like with how the NBA, the two best assets you can have, if you're not going to be the Kevin Durant's and the LeBron James and those caliber of players, you're able to man somebody up and you're able to play really good defense on them. And you're able to hit threes and Josh can do both of those and is a good enough athlete that he can contribute in other ways. And then you have playmaking his, all that stuff. Like, it makes sense that there are people who do NBA draft stuff who are going, oh, hell, yeah, this guy can play. But at the same time, John Giveney from uh, formerly of Draft Express, currently of ESPN, just put out his 2019 mock this week, his first 2019 mock, and he has Tony and Josh both as second rounders. So. Take that was that. Exactly. a paywall, by the way. But you know. that was behind a paywall. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Yeah. J- Josh has an NBA future. I, I think Chad deserves the credit for that one because I think you're the one that mentioned it on this podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, I got receipts. Um, but uh, he just doesn't have the three yet, and, and, and I don't think his offense is there yet as far as shot making. Um, you know, he's a great passer for sure. We we, you, some, we mentioned about his assist per game, even though he's a secondary ball handler and he doesn't really get that much um, possessions anyway. But, you know, when he, he's not much of a driver. Like, like when he drives, how often does he actually get all the way to the rim? Um, you know, obviously there's times where he's cutting and he'll yam it on somebody. But as far as, like, 
dribble drive to the rim. I don't think it happens see, that see, much. Part of that, though, like the 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 thing with that, with that is like the NBA, you get a lot more space, um, and and the jump shot thing too. Like I don't think that's as big a concern, um, especially when he's shown he can knock down some open shots every once in a while. Um, he's shooting like thirty eight percent this year on on not like, a huge number of attempts, but like when you're yeah, when that, you're playing in the, the NBA, they, like you're you're with an NBA team, you can and you have the opportunity to just like focus just on basketball and not worry about school and stuff. You can get up as many shots as you want per day and get paid to do that. Like, I don't think that's a concern that big of a concern for NBA teams. When it, when you have a guy who has just like elite athleticism and instincts and, you know, the quick twitch muscle fibers, whatever Eric always likes to bring up about Josh. Um, you know, he's got the gifts that you'd like to see an NBA, an NBA defender. So no, I, I don't disagree. I'm looking at it of the perspective of, is he draftable right now for this season? And I don't think he's shown enough, um, offensively, yes, he's a nice long-term prospect, and he's got that athleticism in the defense and the instincts. Um, but I just – I don't know. I just don't think right. he looks yeah, that I mean, we, good You right can't now. say he's a good three-point shooter yet. It's no. not enough sample size. And it's certainly – it's definitely workable, as you were talking about, when you can you get the time to work with it. He doesn't have a broken jump shot by any stretch, and it's been great to see him climb from yeah. uh, where he was as a freshman. But, that, yeah, that's the only thing that makes me think he's probably back is that, you know, I don't think that an NBA team is going to be sold on, oh, this is a 3 and D guy just based on, you know, him hitting – whatever the number is, you know, 23 threes as a, as a junior here. Right. And he's always going to have the age thing against him is that he's already, you know, older for a guy that you're talking about as a project. You know, he's, he's a guy mm-hmm. who's, you know, he's, he's already a junior. If he comes back, he's going to be a senior, but the difference between a junior and a senior in the eyes of these guys really isn't that much of a big deal. Right. Yeah. I'm just worried as a selfish, selfish Penn state fan that he's going to get a combine, a combine invite and just, tear it up and teams are going to fall in love with him and it's possible yeah, yeah i mean that's what I'm worried the, about. the guy the guy i think is the most likely to be back is lamar just because mm. he's he's not really uh, you know he's, he's he doesn't really have for his size this skill set that you would need and he's, he's still kind of a tweener yeah exactly yeah he's, there's nowhere really for him to go that i think is an upgrade over what he could potentially put on a resume reel next year um so i don't worry as much about him but uh, I'd say Mike is my biggest concern. Tony's probably right behind him at number two. And uh, then, yeah, I'd say Josh three, Lamar four. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree too. Yeah. And I mean, it, not to get too far into it, but it's not that I think, you know, that that Mike has better pro prospects than Tony. It's, it's you know, a number of factors with him. Right. Yeah, Mike's a and little who different. Who asked this question, by the way? Old. Who asked this question? Why can't you just enjoy this season, man? Come on. We're in the midst of like the greatest. Well, as a thing to end the podcast, it's not the worst. Yeah, I know. Because as Mike, Bill always yeah, likes to joke yeah. at the end here that nobody's listening anymore. So anyway. the, question, the question that needs to be asked is if all four of them return. Hold, hold on, Eric. Just to, just to be clear, we're at the one hour and three minute mark. Okay. Yeah, but I but I like this. I like this. Okay. Yeah. Right, we'll just on. edit it then, Bill. <laughs> just actually work for once. No. <laughs> <laughs> but my what I was gonna say, if all four of them come back, where is Penn State ranked in the preseason in the Big Ten? Ooh. Who's just coming back for Ohio State and who's coming back from Michigan State? Because they're definitely gone. Tate's KB, gone. KBD and Tate are gone. Bridges they're, is gone. Jaron Jackson's gone from Michigan State. Yeah, probably they're probably at least top three. Uh, Maryland will be good. 
uh, they if they get Justin yeah, Jackson back. Purdue graduates yeah. a whole Stick bunch Smith. of people, right? Purdue's losing like half their team. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, yeah, Edwards and Haas are both gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matthias. Matthias right. is gone. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. they're going to be up there. I mean, but that, that would be, oh, how fun would that conversation be? This, this would be a fun offseason if everybody comes back. And, I don't think it's going and, to happen. And there's and, no chance it's happening because we're still Penn State. So That's where I go back to the <laughs> The disappointment of the season isn't going to happen. There's no chance. The All right, well, how about this? How about this? If yeah. I can guarantee you that Tony Carr is the only one that leaves, would you take that? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I think yeah. so, yeah. I would. With, yeah, with the guards, Watkins, no, Watkins eats so much. <laughs> Plus, no like, that'll be fine. Yeah, they have two. They have two guards coming Enter in. Enter Miles Dread and Rasier and Maybe? sophomore. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I was right. saying. Yeah. No, I was saying they have nobody behind Watkins. Oh right, yeah. Well, you no, know, I, I mean, it's, that's the whole ball. Do they yeah. miss here? Yeah. Uh, so. If if I may, uh, Satchel their Pierce. best player, but he might be their most important. It, what, how do you know Satchel Pierce doesn't turn into Sasha Barovniak? Let's not do this. Okay. Actually, honestly, that's oh, who God. we should have talked about leaving. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, so you're uh, talking? You're talking? You want to talk about confrontations and opening up? Spots. I would be, I would be shocked if Satchel Pierce is here next year. What? Sorry. Another name. Just to be blunt about could, it. Could it, I, I want to pose that hypothetical? Could he have been worse this year? <laughs> I think so. Well, well <laughs> I'm sure he's like a nice guy or whatever, but man, what, I mean, we had very low expectations. It's a low bar to clear. Didn't even meet them. He it's didn't a, even meet the lowest expectations. It's a low bar to clear for. He worse. makes me relieved that Julian Moore's back. <laughs> All right, yeah. so uh, Guys, pull up his pull up his kid phone. No, I, I'm no, looking I won't at them right now. Let's uh, no. let's not do that. Uh, real quick, uh, Eric, if if Pierce's Pierce weaves care front or whatever you want to say. And they get rid of. Honestly, I don't think you have to call it a care fund. He's just going to leave because he. he might, I think he might just be done with basketball. He might just graduate and <laughs> okay. go. Okay. You know, sell, you know what? Sell time insurance. out. Time out. Time out. Time out. He said NBA is the dream in his Instagram profile. Don't so do this. Don't pile so on let's, that kid. So let's say um, <laughs> he he leaves, he leaves for, for the NBA draft. He sure sure he can whatever he leaves for a myriad mm-hmm. of reasons. Let's say Davis and Goulas leaves uh, just by nature if there aren't like minutes for him or something like that would Penn State be a team to watch or like the grad transfer market or something I- I'm sorry for asking you about the grad transfer market Eric because I know you hate that they have uh they're in on this Brandon Stone kid who is who put out his top four of Duquesne uh Pitt South Carolina Penn State today so and looks like he's gonna be 2018 so maybe that's a body they're targeting but yeah otherwise I mean I would expect them to go after a grad transfer because they're gonna lose Julian and Satchel, and it's just going to be him and John Hara there. So um, they're going to need a warm body just to give five fouls. They need one. So yeah, grad transfer. I'm for it. Yeah, let's say. I mean, honestly, if we really want to have like an honest conversation about it, they are still like technically oversigned. So people are leaving no matter what, and it doesn't necessarily mean the four guys that we just um, focused on earlier. Uh, so so they got. There's definitely going to be kind of a, a some turnover with the roster, and, and Chad's right. Like if they. Uh, you know, if they lose Satchel and Julian and, heaven forbid, Mike, that just leaves John Hara, who I yeah. like John Hara. I like John Hara. I think he can be a rotation guy. He's not a guy that can play 30 minutes next year. I just I don't see that being even close to what we would want. Um, and I don't even think Hara would, like, you know, in fairness to Hara, like, that's a pretty big load for him to just kind of step into after, you know, thinking he was going to play football 
eight months ago or whatever the heck it was. Um, so yeah, there's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting off season because um, I think at this point with how many games that they've won, I don't think Chambers is really in danger. If they do lose 0-4 here and then somehow lose the first round of the Big Ten tournament, I mean. I don't know how negative you have to be to really actually think that's going to happen considering this team has lost more than two games in a row this whole season. But say the worst worst like happens, maybe that would be what it would take for him to get fired. But if he wins like one or two more games, he's totally fine. And that's what's going to make this offseason so interesting because, you know, we've, we've talked about how kind of how fragile this whole turnaround can be just because it's so dependent on who stays, who goes. Um, it could turn out to be their top three in the preseason. It could turn out to be they're back towards the middle of the pack and they don't have the depth again. I mean, who knows? We'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, uh, that's a nice, light, happy note to end the podcast on, I think. Uh, any final things anyone would like to say in this free-for-all? This is going to be we, fun. Are we at an hour nine minutes yet? Uh, we are at an hour nine minutes, yes. Hell yeah. Nice. Were, were you, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. That should uh, always be the goal. That that really should be. And again, uh, oh hell yeah! Uh, it's always fun when the cops like drive down my street as I'm doing a podcast, oh, and I'm always there's my ride. Up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast. Uh, if you did listen to all of it, great job. Uh, keep buying shirts. Keep reading the site. Keep supporting the site. Go, oh, what was that, Dan? That's a good hustle. Good hustle, way, yes. Way to stick through with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. You know what goes here. Uh, thanks for listening. For Chad, for Eric, for Dan, I'm Bill. Take care, everyone.